What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome bike to the channel. Welcome bike to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. Welcome bike to another edition of Safi Seconds. Okay, where we're breaking down the entire sophomore class. Each week, we're taking a running back. We're taking a wide receiver from the sophomore class, and we're breaking them down for 2021 fantasy football. The order of this list is based on their ADP, so their average draft position. So in week one of Safi Seconds, we broke down Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson, right? The wide receiver one and the RB one in their respective ADP rankings for the class. And we've done that for the last five or six weeks. This is week number six, I believe. And today's Safi Seconds episode features J.K. Dobbins and Jerry Judy. A lot of J's being thrown up, right? Throw your J's up. Shout out to Hanukkah. I'll tell you what. Yesterday was the, the Pride Parade in New York City, bro. And good Lord. Good Lord. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen the electricity in the air like yesterday. You know, I've been to the I've been to the Santa Cons. I've been to the Leprechauns. I've been to the Cons, right? We're a bunch of fucking con artists here in New York. But the Pride Parade yesterday was, was something something else, man. It was fucking crazy Washington Square Park. People jumping in the fountain. There was like everybody, the entire city was taking a bath in the fountain. We're going to make a video soon, 24 hours at Washington Square Park. And I'm really fucking excited about it. Anyways, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just let, prefacing, letting you know that if you guys are worried about like my heart stopping during this video, that's definitely a, an actual concern. So don't worry. We're going to try to make it through for you. But we're breaking down J.K. Dobbins. We're breaking down Jerry Judy for 2021 fantasy football. And then next week, I guess like a sophomore class, it really doesn't stop. We still got to hit James Robinson. We got to hit Zach Moss. Yeah, there's some other guys we can hit. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> that being said, I'm ready to go. If you guys have missed any of the other episodes, make sure you go watch them first. They'll be linked in the description. While you're down there, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the button that looks like that, a.k.a. the thumbs up button, and we shall get rolling. So let's tuck our shirts in. Let's stop yelling, and let's eat. J.K. Dobbins, the electric, exciting, efficient, all of the E's, was fantastic down the stretch for the Ravens last year. But the fantasy community has gotten sharper, and thus his ADP continues to fall down the board. Right now, I believe he's going as the RB17, pick 31 overall. So you're talking about in the second half of the third round. And you're thinking to yourself like, oh, J.K. Dobbins has RB1 upside, top 12, top 10, top 8 upside. The rush offense is really good. He's now the starting running back, all that stuff. I'm going to get him as my third pick. This is exciting. This is exciting. And I get it, right? There's a We're going to break down the pros. We're going to break down the cons. Cause again, a bunch of fucking con artists here. We're going we're to spend a lot of time on the cons. I should have. I should, honestly should have just brought a mic and interviewed people at Washington Square Park yesterday. Been like, you're a con. What's your best? What's the best fucking con you pulled off? And what's a con about J.K. Dobbins? We would have had a phenomenal episode. Would have been the best fantasy content that you've seen on the internet thus far. But the pros, they're pros. J.K. Dobbins, simply as I said, is the starting running back for one of the best run offenses that there will be in the NFL this year that we've seen for the last couple of years in the NFL and uh, that's just like that's baseline floor right there you don't need to know much else to know that J.K. Dobbins will be a good piece for your fantasy team just because he's a starting running back in an offense that scores a lot of touchdowns on the ground that moves the ball efficiently that gives the running back a ton of touches 
The problem with a guy like J.K. Dobbins is the ceiling begins to lower itself when they re-sign a guy like Gus Edwards, who is now on the team for a couple another years. I think it was a great signing for the team, right? We all wanted J.K. Dobbins to hit a ceiling in fantasy football. However, that's going to be tough to do on his rookie contract now that Gus Edwards is signed through 2022, I believe. I think it was a two-year extension. The way I'm looking at Dobbins is this, and I've said this before in the last few videos. If Mark Ingram could do what he did in 2019 in this offense, there's no reason J.K. Dobbins can't post those same numbers, right? Mark Ingram scored a fuckload of touchdowns, 15 touchdowns, five of them receiving. So it's not numbers that you can depend on, but he was really, really, really efficient. Over five yards per carry, scored 15 touchdowns, basically was touching the ball between 12 and 15 times a game. Didn't get a ton in the receiving game. I think he had like 30 targets, 25 catches in that stratosphere um, on a per game basis. That's like 1.5 targets a game, but he got a good enough, uh, a, a, enough rushing work. And in an offense like that, when you're getting enough volume, you just need a little bit of volume in an offense that the volume becomes very valuable, right? If you're getting enough volume, you're on the goal line. Sometimes you're doing this, you're doing that or whatever. It starts to become a, a a big part of it, right? Like you can get a lot of volume on a shitty team like Joe Mixon. What does that equate to? You're not catching passes. You're not getting goal line work. With Mark Ingram, he proved that in this offense, any type of volume can do wonders for you, okay? I expect Dobbins to be very involved on the goal line like Mark Ingram was. Where Mark Ingram finished, I believe, is like the RB7 or 8. Obviously, again, a lot of luck there, but that's not out of the range of outcomes for a guy like Dobbins that you're getting midway through the third round, right? 10, 12, 15 touchdowns is certainly going to be there. And he's going to be really, really, really efficient on the ground because he was one of the most efficient running backs on the ground last year. And you just look at what this offense has done behind Lamar Jackson. Every running back that runs behind him, right? Lamar Jackson, it's Mark Ingram, it's uh, it's Gus Edwards, it's J.K. Dobbins. It don't fucking matter. You're over five yards per carry. And you think of the goal line back, right? And you think of Gus Edwards, you might think, oh, he's a little bit bigger than Dobbins. He'll get the goal line work. But over the second half of last year, Dobbins was actually the one getting the goal line work. He outcarried Gus second half of last year, seven to four on the goal line. Gus scored one time on those four carries. J.K. Dobbins scored six times on those seven carries. So when, you know, we've talked a lot about the running back position over the last couple of weeks. And one of the things I, I tend to like make sure that you understand is that when you're drafting these running backs, you don't get taken away by their ceiling. It's not about what their ceiling can be or what their floor can be. It's about what is the likelihood that they hit both of those range in the spectrums. Okay. Like you could say JK Dobbins has a floor of RB 18 and a ceiling of RB five. Sure. But if you give him a 5% chance to hit RB five, and he has a 45% chance of finishing between RB 16 and RB 18, then picking him between RB 16 and RB 18 is not that great of a pick. Okay. So that's the thing. Like you're looking at Dobbins and you're looking at him as a floor play, right? He could get a lot of touchdown luck as, as I kind of mentioned with Mark Ingram. You look over the last two seasons uh, with Lamar Jackson under center, running backs in Baltimore have scored 38 total touchdowns, which is do the math 19 per season. You split that up between Dobbins and Gus Edwards, who I think will get like 90% of the touches in this backfield. And you could see something like Dobbins scoring 11 or 12 times and Gus still getting in and having a nice year with like seven or eight touchdowns from the goal line. So, you know, you're, you're getting an offensive scores, 19 touchdowns on the ground between the running backs. And you could still have a nice little split where both guys don't have unrealistic ceilings, but they still have really nice floors. The problem, of course, like the reason Dobbins is a floor play and not a ceiling play is because Lamar just doesn't throw the ball to the running backs. And you look back at last year, like if you, if you look at the numbers and you add up the targets that the running backs in Baltimore have gotten in 2019 
and in 2020, and you take the combined target totals of those running backs and you compare them to single running backs around the NFL, and it gets ugly. You'll have like 2019, I think they had like 45 to 50 targets combined, the running back position, and there was like 20 running backs who had at least that many targets themselves. So it becomes a problem because like you look at the numbers last year, right? Dobbins broke out at the end of the year, right? Weeks 11 through 17, the last six weeks of the season, this guy scored seven times, seven times in the six-week span. You know how many targets he got in that six-week span? four all right that is the problem okay in that six week span he scored over 15 and a half half ppr fantasy points one time okay so you're talking about you're talking about a streak where he scores seven touchdowns in a, in a span of six weeks and he can only get fi- over 15 and a half fantasy points one time and it's like yes of course you might be nitpicking with the fantasy uh with the fantasy points and the cutoff for it but the case in point is this like yes he finished between you know 11 and 15 fantasy points a bunch of times but that's why we consider him a floor play not a ceiling play when you don't catch any passes it does not allow you to pad your stats and, and slowly creep up to the to the 16 to the 18 to the 19 and a half to the 21 fantasy points per game that we're looking for for the upside right it's the same way when you don't get the pass catching work it's the same reason we can't in good faith discuss derrick henry in the tier of c-mac or dalvin cook because on a points per game basis in ppr leagues they're just not in the same tier it the more the pass catching matters the further those guys fall off the cliff in terms of the advantage that you get at the high end of the position so you can't discuss derrick henry with dalvin cook and c-mac you cannot start discussing nick chubb with the saquon the kamara even zeke with the targets that he was getting with Dak under under center last year so like yes they might right be right there in rankings but in terms of what they can give you in points per game you just can't get them into that tier and that's the way it's feeling with with Dobbins a little bit right so until we see some upside in the pass catching game and I'm not just gonna um, magically assume it happens for no fucking reason just because you like JK Dobbins or they they showed him catching a fucking pass on Twitter in practice or something like that until we actually see that become a part of Lamar Jackson's game which I really don't expect it to be uh, it's gonna be really hard to think of Dobbins as anything more than an upside play so yes you might be like Dobbins is a great running back and no one's fucking arguing with you you're literally just yelling at a wall at that point the opportunity for fantasy is capped is capped and I think the third round price is probably realistic so it's like between jk dobbins and between deandre swift it's probably good to mix it up between those two swift probably has a little bit more upside because he will catch passes like even if dobbins took over this entire backfield we don't even know what the pass catching totals would be he might still catch 35 passes this year which is pretty pretty numbing pretty numbing to the tongue when you say it out loud that way but swift's upside is you know getting 280 carries and getting 80 targets or something this year so it's an interesting dichotomy for these two sophomore running bikes and if you want uh, my breakdown on deandre swift i did it in last week Sophie seconds video let's move over to the wide receiver position I do want to know what you guys are doing with Dobbins this year though so drop a comment down below are you targeting Dobbins in the third round are you still fading him just because he's a player that you don't want because you know he's not going to catch passes what are you doing with Dobbins let me know in the comment section again make sure you subscribe while you're down there make sure you hit the button that looks like this as well Jerry Judy is a tough is a tough evaluation for fantasy this year because you just look back at the numbers 113 targets in his rookie season that is so wildly impressive like if Brian Edwards commanded 113 targets last year he straight up might be like a second round dynasty startup pick like for no fucking reason but if he did it we'd be losing our shit and if you look at those 113 targets we went back to year 2000 those were the 22nd most by a rookie 22nd most by a rookie and I don't really know what the fucking point of this chart was other other than to say like obviously command and it's, it's a very good list of players obviously I mean there are some hits there are some misses obviously you got guys like fucking Eddie Royal I don't know who the fuck Peter Warwick is maybe he was actually good in the second year yeah you've got some hits you got some misses a lot of hits on there obviously I wanted to see you know what the target change on average was for the following year minus 4.1 targets I'm not, I'm not really concerned about that it's a whole different offense it's whatever it's whatever 
it is whatever. Basically, when I look at Jerry Judy, I'm like, okay, he comes in as a rookie, commands 113 targets. It was kind of like the same point I was making with Chase Claypool, right? Uh, Chase Claypool came in, commanded 110 targets. That was impressive, but when you look at the raw numbers, Chase Claypool was actually only seeing a 16.5% target share in his offense. So yes, the raw numbers were were there in volume, but because Pittsburgh passed the ball so fucking much, 16.5% target share was like 60th among wide uh, among wide receivers. So when I'm looking at Judy, I'm just like, okay, let's 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 dive deeper into the numbers because you can look at those numbers and you just say, let's not think too hard about this one. Let's say that this class was so good at the wide receiver position that we're overlooking Jerry Judy because he wasn't elite in terms of the outcome, but he was great in every other aspect of being a rookie wide receiver. His year would have been much bigger if Drew Locke can simply put a little bit more touch on his passes. When you look at Jerry Judy's year last year, he ranked sixth in the NFL in air yards. Sixth, not six among rookies, sixth among all NFL wide receivers, but second in unrealized air yards. And you know why that discrepancy was there? Because catchable target rate, ranked 105th among wide receivers, target quality rating, 102nd, target accuracy, 107th. But you look at yards per reception, number 11 in the NFL. So when you just got the ball in his hands, when you actually threw it accurately and he caught the ball, yards per reception numbers were there. However, they didn't give him any fucking chance to catch the ball because, as you can see, he ranked outside of the top 100 in catchable target rate, target quality rating, target accuracy. You're saying to yourself, what the fuck is the difference between all these things? Well, you can go to playerprofiler.com, find out absolutely for free. The little I button next to each of the um, each of the stats will tell you. It's more so just like the accuracy in terms of like the depth of target and things like that. There's a little bit of nuance to each one, but as you can see, there was no way the cookie crumbles in which it was a good thing by Drew Locke. Uh, this is a quote from Pro Football Focus. No receiver had a higher rate of their targets result in a quarterback fault incompletion this season than the rookie. The Alabama product also racked up the most targets on which he created separation that resulted in a quarterback fault incompletion. But according to Pro Football Focus, Judy only caught 76.5% of his catchable targets, the worst mark in the NFL. That's basically saying his quarterback play was absolutely abysmal, but he dropped a fuckload of balls. We know that he had a game with like five or six drops. Really, 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 really poor trait to uh to have when you were an NFL wide receiver however I did just see like a study come out I think it was from uh Hayden Winks at, over at Underdog Fantasy friend of the show obviously he looked at every statistic per wide receivers in fantasy and found correlations between which was the most important at predicting fantasy points per game the following year obviously fantasy points per game in the previous year was the most predictive stat in terms of fantasy points per game in the following year uh the next highest correlation was yards per game right we can't predict touchdowns we have no idea if you're going to score five touchdowns or 15 touchdowns so it makes sense that receiving yards per game is probably the most predictive thing and he found out that yes that was the highest correlation he found that drops had literally a negative correlation i don't mean like negative as if if you were x number of fantasy points this year and you had a shitload of drops that means you're going to be negative next year it literally means that there's no correlation between the number of drops you had in a year and the fantasy points per game in the following year so drops do not fucking matter he'll clean that up i'm not worried about it a couple more changes that we obviously have to factor in here Sutton is coming back. And that's why you're like looking at the target numbers and you're thinking, wow, very impressive as a rookie. But there's this like hinge of hinge of hesitancy to me to whether or not those are real because Sutton obviously missed the entire year. Does it cap his ceiling? Probably as a seventh round pick right now where you're getting him. He's going off the board as the wide receiver 34, 76th overall. This is in reference to Jerry Judy. So you're getting him as a back end wide receiver three and you're getting him in the sixth to seventh round. At that price, I'm not expecting wide receiver one numbers in fantasy football, but they're two drastically different players. And we do like players two years removed from the ACL, not one year removed like Cortland Sutton is going to be. But again, Sutton is young and it happened super early in the season. So I'm not as concerned with the rehab as long as we keep getting good reports. But it's very possible that we, you know, that we don't see a 100% 
healthy Cortland Sutton in 2021. It's possible that maybe we see a 70 to 80 percent, and then maybe like the last month of the season, we start to see 90, 100 percent Cortland Sutton. I'm just saying that's in the range of outcomes for what could possibly happen this year, um, but that leaves it open for Jerry Judy this year in redraft for sure. The other big change, of course, is that they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. We don't know what the fuck's going to happen at the quarterback position. Some people are still bought in on Drew Locke. I don't know what to think. I don't care. I'm not going to be the one to sit here. I've never been to a fucking Denver Broncos OTA or practice, so I'm not going to tell you who's going to be the starting quarterback this year. But if Teddy Bridgewater's under center, I like that a lot for Judy. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson ends up coming to Denver, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are honestly first round picks. I'll take both of them. If I'm at the 112, we're going Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton at the 112, 201. We're going Noah Fant, KJ Hamler at the 212 and 301. All right. Or the 312, 4, whatever the fuck. I'm getting all the Broncos at every turn, right? There will be no turn in which a Denver Bronco is not being picked onto my lineup if Deshaun Watson ends up there. But if Teddy B ends up there, I will be taking a lot of Jerry Judy. And when you look at what Teddy, what Teddy B did last year, he did exactly what we thought he was. Air yards per attempt, 28th amongst NFL quarterbacks. We know he's not throwing the ball down field accuracy rating number one in the nfl number motherfucking one in the nfl catchable pass rate number seven in the nfl deep ball completion percentage number 13 clean pocket completion percentage number seven okay teddy b is exactly who we think he is if you're giving him a short open pass he's going to hit you and what better what better attribute to have paired with jerry judy who runs these quick routes gets open because he's a great route runner separation real quick that's Teddy B, man. And I'm looking at Teddy B. I looked at some some deeper numbers. I was looking at the real analytics here. Because you could do this on PFF now. Throws made between zero and nine yards. So between zero and nine yards of the line of scrimmage, right? You ain't getting that first down. That's check down Teddy for you. Completion rate, number second, or number, <laughs> number two in the NFL behind only Aaron Rodgers, okay? So he completed 86.2% of his passes thrown between zero and nine yards. That adjusted completion percentage, which uh, takes into account drops and takes into account throwaways, number one in the NFL. Yards per attempt, 7.8 yards per attempt on throws. That's actually wild. On throws between zero and nine yards, he averaged eight yards per attempt. So every time he threw the ball between zero and nine yards, that factors into incompletion. That's just straight up passing attempts. Number one in the NFL, 7.8 yards. That lines up fantastically for a guy like Jerry Judy, uh, who played in the slot 31.3% of the time. You have to wonder if that changes with, with Cortland Sutton bike, right? Because Sutton obviously is going to move outside. He's an outside wide receiver. He's an outside alpha kind of guy. Uh, you'd think that Jerry Judy's slot percentage, which again, 31% last year, goes up. Uh, more slot snaps, again, would be good for Teddy because he likes those quick check down guys who get open quickly. And then if that if that's the case, Jerry Judy was good in the yak department, right? Top 20 last year, uh, despite being top 20 in average depth of target. So looking at a guy, I think things line up if Teddy Bridgewater is under center. And realistically, Jerry Judy, like he's exactly what we thought he was coming out of Alabama. He's already cementing himself as one of the top route runners in the game. And this is per Matt Harmon's reception perception, success rate versus different types of coverage. Man, 87th percentile in terms of all of his uh, historical receiving data charted in reception perception. You can get access to this stuff on receptionperception.com, one of the best resources in fantasy football uh, versus press coverage, 75th percentile. And this is, again, this is a uh, percentile in terms of like all of the wide receivers he has charted historically. So you're talking about like Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, who have absolutely crushed this. So 87th percentile against man coverage last year. Those kind of numbers almost always, always, always lead to breakout years eventually. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year but it's a pretty damn good chance if teddy b is under center i will definitely be buying shares of jerry judy at his price of wide receiver 34 76th overall i just traded for him in a dynasty league we did a video on that a couple weeks bike i gave up uh jerry judy in a second no, no no i gave up lavisca chenault and a first for jerry judy and a second so we swapped first and seconds and then we swapped jerry judy and lavisca chenault um, i'm very high on jerry judy so y'all should be too 
Okay, that's all I got for y'all today. Make sure that if you enjoyed the video, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. If you are new, we're doing breakdowns like this every single day. And, uh, and comment, let me know what you guys are doing with J.K. Dobbins, with Jerry Judy. And I'll see y'all tomorrow. Wide receiver rankings, all of the wide receiver ones, top 12. We are breaking them down in one video. Goodbye. I love you.